Welcome to episode number 65. Today we have Ingrid Thompson, who is the published author of So You Want to Start a Business. Welcome to the Herpreneur Show, where we talk women, business, life. I am your host, Annette Lakovich. I'm an entrepreneur, businesswoman, mum, and I'm a fitness fanatic who loves to dance. What I also love to do is help you reach your fullest potential in business, health, and happiness. Join me as I bring you life-changing interviews, world-class education that helps you continue to up-level your next level of greatness. It's your time to shine. Let's do it. Hello there. Great interview today for you. Did you know that more women are opening businesses today than men? Uh, More startups are from female and the fastest growing businesses at the moment are women-owned businesses over the seven-figure mark. How exciting is that? Now, another thing is, what I'm excited about this interview, because we touch on a very important point, because a lot of you are measuring your level of success based on false metrics. And we go there today because you are getting programmed more and more about how many people are following you on Facebook and Instagram and how many people are liking your post, where at the end of the day, that is not what the business is about. The business is about profit. What I specifically love is there's this hypnosis that you think there's these influencers are making big money and I'll tell you what, Ingrid actually shares a very interesting story, what really is happening with some of them. Now, some of you may have already created a business, but you need to go back. You need to go back and have a look at the fundamentals. And today's interview is definitely helping you with that. Don't think you're too cool for school for this. Uh, This is a great interview. You've got somebody who is a seasoned business owner. She's worked with multinational businesses. She's got the best-selling book, So You Want to Start a Business. It's a published book around the world, uh, The Seven-Step Guide to Create and Start and Own Your Business. And you can get that for free. You've got links there to go get that book. All you've got to do is pay for your post and uh, you get that book. So it's a physical copy. It's a beautiful book as well. This interview is great if you are a businesswoman and you're starting out. If you are a lady that is looking to get into business, so perhaps you're in corporate, perhaps that you're uh, a mum at home and you're ready to get back out there. And this is really going to help you just get the foundations. But I tell you what, Our conversation with Ingrid, we go everywhere today. You can hear she's a seasoned communicator. She's got her own podcast show, so you want to start a business. So, hey, same name as the book. Very easy to remember. Enjoy the show. You're going to absolutely love it. Good morning, ladies. Today I have Ingrid Thompson. She is the founder of Healthy Numbers. She's also the book of So You Want to Start a Business. Ingrid can you share with us where in Australia are you calling from? Today? I'm in Sydney. I'm in Sydney, and I have to tell you, Annette and listeners, it's stunning today. It's cold, absolutely windy cold, but the sky—I can see the sky out my window, uh-huh. and it's stunning, stunning blue. So yeah. Do you know what? It's like that. There's not a cloud in the sky today here in Perth either. No, Whereabouts in Sydney are you? I'm in a place called Enmore, which is right oh, beside yeah. Newtown. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's a pretty, I've lived yeah. here for a really long time, actually. It's scary mm. how long I've lived here. Um, and I came here when people said, do you want to live there? Like, seriously? Um, but it's turned into, you know, a must destination. Then more. Oh, it's like the funky destination, mm. um, cool little terrace houses. And yeah, yeah, I used to live not far from there in Brighton Sands for about 16 oh. years. Mm. So I know Sydney quite well and I know that area quite this well. This part, yeah, on the water is yeah. lovely. Um, Yeah, fantastic. Well, Ingrid, we're going to dive into your book today about, you know, so you want to start a business. I do want to start off with just because we've got women listening from all different walks of life and we understand that everything goes back to the foundations. Like for me, when I teach sales, it doesn't matter if I've been teaching someone for years and years and years and they're a real seasoned business owner and they've had training with themselves and their staff in sales. And whenever something starts to go wrong in their sales, I go back to their numbers, their numbers tell me a story, and I see that they've missed a very basic process. So I do want to start off with just saying that if you're a seasoned entrepreneur and you're listening, please do not think you're too cool for school because this is going to be such an important conversation to really see what the holes are in our business and really find out, are we starting to skip a few things? 
are we starting to cut corners and that can really stop our growth because at the end of the day we go into business for growth for profit to create a beautiful lifestyle that we want and not just to break even so if we're breaking even at the moment if you find that you're struggling i think this conversation is going to really kick off really well for you as well so ingrid let's start with just how did you even get into this because I always used to say, I'm not a numbers person. I'm a person at front of stage, you know, give me the lights, the music, the camera. But I was very lucky. At age 21, I had a mentor and I got put into management. And he taught me data, how to read data. And as soon as I realised that I would look at that and that would help me know where I needed to course correct, that now is a skill set that I have that I always thought I'd never had. Yeah. Was this yeah. a skill that you've had or did this something that you just developed over time? All right. So the truth or my version of the truth? <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. I've been doing some work about memory and about how we think about things because I'm thinking about how we're going to think about 2020 going into the future. You know, we're going to look back on this with these sort of rose-tinted glasses. Look, I'm going to be really honest. I've always been really good at maths. I've always been really good at numbers. I can see patterns. I'm good at jigsaws. I'm good at puzzles and figuring things out. So wow. I think that set me up pretty well to get started with. But what I found was I was actually able to explain things to people in ways they could understand. Mm -hmm. So when I was in high school, we were in the maths class and I would always have all my work finished and the maths teacher would have, you know, five or six people needing help and he'd say, Ingrid, could you help Stephen um, while I help these ones over here? Oh, and so wow. what I learned at 15, 16 was how to explain to people things that they didn't understand. So we were doing trigonometry and I don't even remember the names of some of those things, you know, but it was all that complicated So you would be stuff. at my desk helping me. Yeah. <laughs> I would. But what, I, what it did was, and it was what I found quite magic, was as I explained things to people, they got it. And it was something magic about helping people understand something that previously they hadn't. Because to me, maths was quite straightforward and quite simple and it's logical. And once people got that, then it was a magic thing for them that they could then, you know, complete the rest of the class, wow. complete the rest of the course. So that's kind of where it started. Mm -hmm. Then fast forward, I, you know, I messed around a few times figuring out what I was going to do with my career, but I ended up in accounting because it's maths. Um, but what I found was I was, again, very good at explaining to different people in business. A bit like you at 21, I was in a role where I had some amazing people around me and they had to figure out their department costs and they had to figure out their labour costs and they had to mm -hmm. figure out different things. And I was able to take some of the reports that were coming out of the computer and go and show them what was happening in their department. And it was magic to them. So it was a bit like the, the high school thing, mm. only I was sitting at really senior executives' desks wow. going through the numbers with them. And so I guess Gosh. that's that's part of my story is how I've been able to just take the information that I can figure out from the numbers and show mm. that to someone in a way that then makes them say, I want more of this. Mm. I want to be able to understand what the next numbers tell me. Oh, I can't wait to get the numbers, you know, what, what else can we find out? Um, mm. And just last week I'm working with a client who said that one of the joys for her is I'm having her fill in a very rudimentary dashboard for her business and she said she's been doing it for a few weeks and she said the thing that she loves about doing it is that she's realised she's doing better than she thought she was. So that's one of the secrets that can happen when you start to even track the basic numbers. Yeah. And, and she's not doing anything complex. We keep starting it really gentle because she's not a numbers person. She hasn't had mm -hmm. a lot of exposure to the numbers before. She's smart, super, super smart, but she's just thrilled that what the numbers are showing her is that she's better off than she thought she was. Mm -hmm. And by looking at her expenses side of the business so she's financially more money coming in than she thought she was and from the expenses she's able to see some leaks and the leaks are a, a variety of things like the obvious one she's paying for two types of software but another one is that she can see where admin work is being done by her that's depleting her energy depleting her time and in fact other people could be doing that so this you know mm -hmm. like numbers yeah. show there's no end to what they can show in a business. Yes, yeah, yeah. It's it's interesting because even though 
at a young age, I was introduced to, I was introduced to a system to help build a health club. Mm. So this health club was a very struggling health club. It was over in Miranda. So sort of, you'll know sort of that area. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, um, and we were making, um, what was it? I think it was about $18,000 a month. Right? Wow. And we got a sales coaching and that's pretty much how I ended up getting into the sales side of things was originally mm. from fitness. And he was just an amazing mentor for business in itself. Within six months of me learning how to read the numbers, how what a conversion of a sale is, what our conversions of our telephone inquiries were, um, and then to learn some sales processes as well to help support that, within six months, I grew that business to a million-dollar business in six months by working numbers. Working numbers. It was amazing. And I actually thought to myself, I always thought that I was dumb. Like that was the self-talk mm. that I had. I'm good. Mm. I'm a good people person, but I'm dumb, right? And when I was just, it was, yeah, around 21, I was like, maybe I'm not dumb. <laughs> maybe yeah. I just needed to find something that I love doing. Yeah. And then being like taught some structure around that as well. Mm. Uh, the thing is, though, I learned structure for that business and then I went into consulting other people's businesses in the health and fitness industry and then I went into corporate training. That was with sales training. That was with actually mm. the original coach. That, that oh, wow. Good for you. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but then I got more into the public speaking side of it, etc. I decided that I wanted to create my own business mm -hmm. and it was an online business, completely different completely different type of target market, complete different type of vehicle. Do you think I did anything to do with numbers? Nothing. So it's you interesting. You that you've learned from their previous business into this business. Is that, no. That's the irony. The irony isn't of that, that. Yeah. Isn't that incredible where it was all I would look at was how much something would cost to buy because it was an online store, yeah. what the profit margin was. Yeah. And pretty much we looked at just what sales were coming in. I didn't measure budgets and targets and anything like that. Do you think it was successful? It wasn't successful. It was, it was you know, shut down within a year and I realised that my passion was actually with public speaking as well. <laughs> and then that business grew quite quickly as well because it was something similar to what I was used to. Now, you've started, you've created a book and it, so you want to start a business. Mm. You're going to have somebody who might have business experience that's relaunching, but you're going to have so many women listening. There's more women opening businesses now than men. And it's not like a he hero or, you know, Shiro or anything like that. It's just, we've got all these women creating businesses for someone like myself that actually helped be in business and be taught amazing things, but to go into my own business and everything sort of falls by the wayside, right? The importance of your book is key. Thank like you. it's so important to go, let's really build it. Yeah. Like let's build it from the ground up. So tell me, what was the inspiration that happened for you to go, I need to get this book out there? Oh, thank you so much because it's a, it's a really passionate of mine. Um, I wrote the book because oh, a couple of things really. So I've worked for 20 years. I, I left the corporate world. I was in the corporate world. I was doing accounting. Um, I moved from accounting into training and development, worked on a couple of really big um, change programs, the merger of Qantas and Australian Airlines. Um, you know, some big some brands material, behind you. Big, big brands. And, you yeah. know, through the whole privatisation of Qantas. And then um, the, the early 2000s, the corporate world and I decided that we really weren't made for each other anymore. And, look, I had mm. a fantastic corporate career. I, I think there's huge honour in being an employee. You know, everybody's not cut out for, for having a business. And then I kind of spent a few years just helping small businesses. I discovered the world of small business, which I had never really had anything to do with previously. And I found that there were a few common mistakes that 
they were making, a bit like what you just said. So things like they didn't have systems and processes because, you know, they sort of grow like topsy and, and nobody ever puts the systems and processes together. They're not mm -hmm. paying particular attention to their finances, um, maybe the owner not paying themselves because, you know, in order to have this freedom lifestyle that people want and to have a business that gives them the life they want, there needs to be financial independence as part of mm -hmm. that and paying yourself as part of creating the financial yeah. independence that you're going to have. So I started, um, I had the opportunity to create a course um, for the community college, the Sydney Community College, because I had thought about in the corporate world, when we wanted to put somebody into a role that was going to be like a team leader or a manager role, we trained them in doing that first. So we mm -hmm. would take someone who was in the team and we would give them some training. They might get the chance of acting up when somebody was on leave. And so they would get to put their training wheels on and they would, you know, they would do it in a secure and safe environment where they would learn how to be a better team leader, how to be a better manager. You know, there was an enormous amount of training done in the corporate world for people who were moving through the ranks. I mean, I was part of one of those programs myself. Mm -hmm. And I thought, why don't we do that with business? Everything I did in my business, I had to figure out for myself. And there was no Google in those days. I went to the library and, you know, I read magazines and, you know, like there, there was yeah. barely a Google, you know, in the early 2000s, mm. it truly wasn't, you know, what there is now. I mean, you could pretty much learn everything from the internet. And therein lies the problem is that there's an overwhelm. Yes. There's too much yeah. information. So I started doing this course for the community college and it was called Start Your Own Business or something like that. And the first couple that I ran had people who were either unemployed or, you know, maybe a plumber wanting to start a plumbing business. I remember there was two gorgeous young women who wanted to leave their employer and start their own beauty business. But gradually over a couple of years, the type of people who came to that course changed. So this was in the um, sort of 2012, 13. Mm -hmm. There were a lot more corporate people coming along because they wanted to have another choice. And so these were smart people who had, like you, a lot of experience in the business world that they were in, but they didn't know very much about starting a business. Yeah. And I thought, okay, so here I am standing in this room with 15 people. How can I have more than 15 people understanding what I'm doing? And so I started the podcast, So You Want to Start a Business, and I started interviewing Oh, wow. People. And at the same time... And you time, started it back then. Yeah. So 2000, my podcast five years old. So 2015. Yeah, that's great. And so then I thought, you know what, this needs a book. It needs to go out as an ebook. And so it started off as a sort of a version of an ebook. And then I did a proper mm -hmm. book and I had an editor and the editor took it to a publishing house in New York and they published it. And now it's on the, in the world. Thank you. And I, and I love going in every week and having a look on Amazon. It's actually Amazon tracks all the sales worldwide. And I love looking mm -hmm. at my little graph that says how many copies of my book I've sold this week. <laughs> Love that. And that, know, was, that, <laughs> that, and that is true metric because yeah. one thing I'm very passionate about with my clientele is they get caught into false metrics. Oh. And the false metrics, what I mean is we're getting more and more programmed with social media that how many likes a post gets, a photo gets, or how many followers they get is more important than the actual metrics of their business stability. Yeah. And they might see that there's these amazing people out there, their competitors out there with 30,000 followers and getting all these likes. But the important thing is, are they turning that into numbers? Are mm -hmm. they doing the actual important steps to be able to make sure that, you know, they're actually getting still a profitable business because that doesn't measure the profit. It so it's and quite interesting that you say that because your book, that's a, that's a metric that's, that's important because yeah. it's actually showing what you're doing out there in the world and you're actually, that's a transaction, that's a transaction, right? Yeah. Yeah. So there's two ways. I mean, there's a number of ways people can get the book. They can get it online themselves. They can get the ebook, the Kindle, or buy a book from a bookshop, or they can get it from me. Um, so I know how many I send out every week to people who, you know, request a copy from my website. And I know how many get sold in Amazon. So what, it, what is so exciting to me is that I know the book is out there doing its work. 
and mm. and it, that as we were talking in the pre-show is mm. that's what really is the driver for me doing it you know yeah. do I want to be an Amazon number one bestseller only if the book is out there being read by people who are following the tasks there's a whole lot of exercises in it for people to do they can work through it on their own if with that book you could have the solid mm. foundations but I just just do your metrics can I tell you a little quick story of an example absolutely I have a client who works in um, facial acupuncture and skincare and, and she gets clients come to her. And oh, she, she sounds had, amazing. Maybe I can. Oh, this <laughs> acupuncture. So she, sorry, acupuncture. I always say, I always tease how I say it. But she was telling me she had, she was so excited. She had this um, social media. What do you call those people who are promoting things on social media? Um, um, influencers. The influencers, yeah. So mm -hmm. she had this fancy, fancy influencer came to her just to have, um, to have some work done. And she said, look, how about you do what you do for me and I'll do some influencing for you. And my client said, well, actually, I have to pay the rent and, um, you know, I need to pay myself because I have to look after my children. And she and said, because oh, I work with Ingrid and Ingrid told me that I've got to pay myself. <laughs> <laughs> and she said, look, what would really work better for me is if you pay for me for the sessions and I'll, we'll make an arrangement for how we do your social media. And she said, I haven't got any money. She said, I am so broke. She had hundreds of thousands of followers. So it's just what you said. She she and she said, I'm broke. She said, I have no money. And yeah. my client said, You need to speak to Ingrid. So <laughs> but that's such a really good example of Thank you know you. there she is with all of these what did you call them? Vanity metrics. And she's broke. Yeah. Yeah. Because she's not doing false what you said. Metrics false and metrics. Vanity. I didn't say vanity, but I like that. I'll coin that. Vanity <laughs> It's true. It is. It's false. It's it's, mm. it's a false metric that we are, are getting groomed for our level of worth and it's not and it's continually coaching my clients and it's not your worth. Like I have such incredible business people that I work with that might have average, but they're actually busy doing the do, right? And we understand that. I'm not taking away social media because social media is great, but it's a matter Fantastic. of do you have the time to be able to market? Do you have the right person in your business? You know, where do you start to grow the business? We want the right people in the right seats is what you were saying before yep. is, you know, what are their strengths? So then they're out there doing the marketing though. It's just really interesting to, to hear that story. Thank you. Mm. Cause that's really oh. going to bring that home for some, some yeah. people out there. Yeah. We get yeah. so seen everything's that it's the show reel of their life. It's not the real life behind. It's not behind the real life. Things. But for her to admit to say, look, I'm actually broke, but I've got all this stuff going on and maybe yeah. she can look good because she's got people giving her stuff to promote. And uh, mm. look, I'm sure she's, terrific at what she does um she just needs help to get the, the money right and i think that is what but that's and, yeah and, and it's not against her it's about not at all it's, it's about how it's we've been conditioned what we've been conditioned and mm. now if people don't go back to what are the foundations and you know learning stuff what's in your book it's like and not everyone's cut out to be in business. Not everyone is. My first chapter is called Who Are You to Start a Business? And so, mm. you know, there's lots of people who, um, you know, want to start a business. And I would say a side hustle is a great way to start. What I always say to people, depending on what it is, test mm -hmm. out that online store. Take your products and go to the markets. Um, you know, if, 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 if you love baking, I mean, actually read the e-myth because that'll tell you what it's like if you love doing something. I've had clients who love what they do. They're, they're driven by their passion for yoga or they love baking or they love cooking and they get caught in a business and they don't get to do much yoga or much cooking because they're actually running the business yeah. and they don't get into business to do that. So if you love something like that so much, go do it for someone else for a while and learn about what it takes <laughs> to run that business. Yeah, you know, yeah. if you love flowers and you want to open a flower shop, you know, I love using this example, go work in a flower shop where you're up to your elbows in ice freezing water at 5am in the morning and, you know, just see if that's going to get you out of bed every day. Yeah, I love it then. <laughs> because, you know, going and buying a bunch of flowers is so different to having to go out to the markets at 4 o'clock in the morning when it's, you know, minus 2 degrees. And, you know, yes, it's got all the nice side to it as well, but there's the pros and cons. So mm. I'm a pros and cons girl, unashamedly. I make my yeah. list of the advantages and the disadvantages. And I think mm. sometimes one just doesn't outweigh the other. Mm -hmm. But that said, I wouldn't swap my life and my business for anything. So yeah. well, if you can make it work, do it. Yeah. 
and it's it's that's the thing. We go into business. No, I say this. We go into business not to go broke, not to break even, is to be able to make the profit, to be able to have the lifestyle and give back whatever it is that we need to do. Yeah. What do you think is your personal measure of success or how we should measure success in a business? Mm. So my personal measure of success is getting out of bed every day, being, you know, grateful to be here and all the things that I have in it. Um, In terms of a business, the business has to be able to pay you. So if you're working in a job or a corporate career and you're getting paid a certain amount of money, you're swapping your intellect, your um, intelligence, your time, Mm -hmm. your effort, your energy for that payment. And yes, you're going to go into your business because you love it and it's your passion. It still has to give you the financial reward for you to be able to pay yourself. You can't help anybody if you're sleeping in a car under the bridge or if you're constantly stressed about where money comes from. Because one of the things that I see happen as a cycle is that people don't charge enough because they mm-hmm. want to get clients. And you've yeah. probably seen this as well, Annette. Yes. And then so they do stuff for a lesser price than they want and then that makes them feel bad and then they resent it. And then, so there's this whole kind of cycle mm. of not feeling good about what you're doing. And so I think the measure of success needs to be that there's a payment of some type. Now, when you get started mm-hmm. in a business, you may not be able to give yourself your six-figure salary that you had in the corporate that's world. Right. And, and that's, that's the fall from grace, isn't it? Where you've got all these incredible women that want to step out of corporate because they want to have a family, the lifestyle's just not working with that. But it's that big drop yeah. in, but in pay. Say- it's, it's so, I thank you for raising that um, because there's another thing that happens to people who have had very successful corporate careers. So they look at the business and they think, how hard can this be? I've been incredibly successful at being whatever it is in the corporate world. And so they quit that or they take the break and they start the business. And what happens to us psychologically is that things don't work out quite the way we thought they were going to. And, you know, we hear these people promising, you know, that you can wing it, that you can learn it on the internet, that, you know, that you can figure it out as you go, build the plane as you're flying it, all of that kind of thing. And, Mm -hmm. yes, there's always going to be a certain element of that. But what happens to people's confidence, men and women, but predominantly to women, is that as they start doing this and things don't go well, some parts of them start to shut down. Their Mm -hmm. confidence is eroded. They feel bad about themselves and they often have no one to talk to, but they want to hold up a, a front that says, you know, I'm doing this. Yeah. I've got this. I'm, I'm, this is successful. This is my business. When in fact, under, underneath it's not. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, it's a really, you know, my heart aches for some of the women who are really struggling to hold together all the different plates they're spinning or they've so many pots on the stove, whichever of the analogies you want to use. Yeah. But they're actually not feeling good about themselves either because this isn't what they signed up for. But now here they are. And you kind of get trapped in a business the way you never get trapped in a job. (laughs) You can change jobs. Yeah. But Mm. once you've got a business and a website and you've got this, the whole machine of it, I sometimes look at mine and think, can't just stop it has to yeah it's all it just keeps going on it's like having children they're there forever Mm -hmm. it's like having dogs and cats it's a (laughs) long-term commitment (laughs) and people say that business is Mm -hmm. my baby and yeah it's going to stay with me well into its 20s (laughs) what would you say would be some great pieces of advice that they're starting out what are some things that they just really should like take into massive amounts of consideration when they're first setting up their business so let's just say it's a business a corporate woman she stepped out of out of the corporate world or it could be a mum wanting to just create her own business what are some things they need to take in consideration in that first say six to 12 months to set it up so before that they or before need to become, that yeah well it, it comes back to before that it, it's really mm. you know what I call a buffer balance you know figure out how much the first thing to do is figure out how much you need to live so mm-hmm. even though you're earning this salary, maybe you can, you can live on less. So whatever the money is that you can live on, because the business needs to be paying you that at some point. Now, if you mm-hmm. can tell that for the first three months or six months, you're not going to be able to 
earn anything because of the you know pain to get the business started you need a buffer balance because if it's going to take six months to get some runway I mean it's a bit like taking a plane off a runway how are you going to pay for yourself? Who's, how are you going to support yourself for that period of time? How are you going to pay for the website and the legal fees? And, you know, there's a lot of upfront expenses. So I say figure out how much it costs you to live, how much money you need, and start saving that. And mm-hmm. just as an aside in it, because sometimes people say to me, oh, that's too hard. I can't figure out how to save money. If you're not good at that stage, it's going to get harder when you get into business because you really do need to be able to have some fiscal responsibility and and figure out. Mm -hmm. So, you know, for people who have debt on credit cards and who've got, you know, like get your life sorted out first. Yeah, good So then then to the bit, so that's about Mm -hmm. you and and mindset and understand business. Because then you you go into it, just to pause on that, you'll go into it going... First, you've actually, if you've had to clean stuff up, you've cleaned it up, but then energetically you turn up different. Mm. You show up different, right? Yeah, Yeah. Mm. because it's not as needy. And I do talk in the book about are you escaping from or heading towards because if you're doing this to escape from something, Mm-hmm. it's like anything when you escape from it somehow it shows up again <laughs> yeah mm. yeah so so that's the first thing is to figure out your finances and get yourself sorted out and then to do a, a forward projection like you said how much is it going to cost you to run the business how much is it going to cost you to produce what it is you're going to produce and can you sell it for the price so figure out if it's actually mm-hmm. financially viable to start with so if you're going to make candles and it costs you seven dollars to make a candle and you can sell them for 27 dollars, then there's 20 dollars immediately right there on every single candle um, that contributes to all those other fixed costs but if you're making a candle for seven and you can only sell it for eight, that's not very yeah. much on each <laughs> candle. So, you know, yeah. and, and you have to factor in some of your time and all the different things. Mm-hmm. So yeah. That's the first yeah. thing. The next thing, and Annette, you would just know about this with the work you do, somebody has to want what you're producing. Yeah. Because if you're producing something that you're in love with, mm. that's fabulous. That's called a hobby. That's a hobby. And that's if nobody wants to pay you money for it. So the minimum viable product, the idea of the minimum viable um, concept of what you're doing, can you take that out to the world and see mm-hmm. if people will pay you money before you quit your job? Look, yeah. years ago, I studied massage because I thought I would love to be a massage therapist. I'd done a course for four weeks at the one of the community colleges and it was lovely. <gasps> The music was lovely and rubbing each other was nice and it was always in dim rooms and there was candles and I thought, oh, wouldn't this be nice? I could leave that corporate world behind and I could just do massage all the time. So I enrolled in a course and I honestly, I, I love my friend for saying this to me. And I was saying to her, you know, I'm going to quit my job. This is fantastic. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to get a little room. I bought the most beautiful table that I could massage. It was purple and it was thick padding and I bought beautiful towels. And my friend said to me, do you think you want to try it out first before you quit your job? It's a pretty good job, Ingrid. And, you know, you've got a nice lifestyle. I said, look, it'll be fine. But I took her advice. And do you know what happened? I couldn't stand touching people. When it came to doing the prac. I couldn't touch clients. <laughs> it was fine when it was all of us in the. You laugh. <laughs> I laughed. Got a <laughs> this man came in and and I thought I don't want to touch you. And then I thought, oh my gosh, that's what's going to happen. People it was all right while it was people I knew and loved and my friends and yeah. you know even my cousin came once and I thought oh, it's a bit weird massaging your cousin's husband you know that was a bit weird but you know it's just Mm. so I'm so glad I didn't so I say to people I'm so glad I didn't quit my job I say to people make sure that you're the right person and that people want what you do and honestly we Mm. know lots of people you've seen it in the fitness industry and I'm sure you Mm. see it with a whole range of clients is people set up a business and they don't have a compelling offer for the people that Mm. they're serving Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they go into business and they don't realise how much is involved to get that sale, to get that. Yeah. Sorry, I've got yeah. my the post office or someone ringing on the door there. Um, they work out pretty quickly that they need to learn how to be a salesperson, how to be a, how to be a marketer. And if you have a product that has a low 
profit margin, let's just say you're saying the, the candles <laughs> to seven and they're selling it for eight, you know, this is high amounts of volume that we need yes. to be able to get them. I actually had a client that she came to me and she had um, little sachets for fake tan. Oh. It was like these little sachets and you buy them and it was, I think it was $3.50 was for the, the little sachet. And the, the, the return on it was, it was, it, it was miserable, whatever the return was. And here she is trying to sell it to bodybuilders because they need fake tan. And she's thinking, well, that's how I'm selling. I said, we need high amounts of volume here. Yes. High amounts. Yes. And if you're selling it, a couple of sachets per person, this is not, business is not going to survive. No. And so we actually had to strategize what do we need to do to get mass volumes because it's such a small profit. Yes, yes. And what we looked at is going to retailers, Retail, wholesalers, of course, of course. retailing, wholesaling, sunbed places for winter, like just, and how do they sell the boxes? Not yes. these little individual sachets. So it's interesting that you talk about this, um, you know, is it, is it profitable? Is it going to be worth your while and soon you do work out if this business is for you or not. For me, I went from being face to face with people and, you know, being in the health and fitness industry and then I went into corporates and then I went into public speaking and doing conferences, which I loved. And then suddenly I just panicked and went, what if I want to have a baby? Mm. This world's not going to serve me. Mm-hmm. So I thought I'll, I'll create an online business. And it was just an idea that had been running through my head. But it took me from what my absolute passion and skill is yes, and my, nat- my natural ability to be able to connect with people. So within that year of doing that business, it just fledged yes. in every way. Yes. But also I was showing up where I was always like going, oh, I really want to do the public speaking and why don't I just do it on my own? So now I look at it, that was the reason. And, yes. it's, you know, for anyone listening where, Maybe you feel like you've taken that step and the business isn't working the way that you want it to. Sometimes it's and that's, that's what's course correcting you. For me, yes. it was I needed that to be able to step away from the company I was working for. Yes. So it was an interim. Entrepreneurship, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then really honing on the stuff that I love to do and that's when nice. I created my own public speaking. Nice. So it's, it's interesting that, you know, for me it was reframing it. It wasn't. It, you know, I don't sit there being all miserable going, oh, my God, it failed. It was actually helped me course correct. Yes. And to be able to step that's, into entrepreneurship in what I loved. And that's mindset for you. And I'll just add to mm. that, Annette, though. Here's where numbers can really help you as well. Mm. So if you created – so let's just rewind to the 12 months that you were doing that. Yes. So say yeah. sort of in the six or seven months you start to see some really fantastic traction. So you're not passionate about this, but you see some really good traction for this product. You do your, you, you know, you use your skills and your marketing to get it out there to the world and it's doing quite well. Everybody says, or many people say, that you have to be passionate about your business. I say you have to be passionate about business. So if the numbers mm-hmm. are, are giving you what you need, so if, if you're selling a, an ethical product, you know, you're not mm-hmm. selling something that's doing harm but if you're selling something that's good and it's actually able to make money once you start looking at the metrics and looking at the numbers I believe that we don't necessarily need to be completely passionate about that because you can set up systems and processes and people Mm -hmm. to run that so that then you're freed up to have the lifestyle you want to be able to put your heart and soul into something else and this can help fund that. Mm. And if you don't need it, that money could then go to something worthwhile. Mm, It could be, you know, that can then play a bigger role in the world. It can be used because money is power. It really is. Um, You Mm -hmm. know, we've seen that people who can get reach and people who can, um, people, money is power. And it gives Mm. people that sense of security. So even if you aren't particularly passionate about what you end up getting into as a business, if it's viable and if the numbers show that it's got good traction, you Mm -hmm. can then have that as your cash cow, if you like. I don't particularly like that expression, but I know it's a common one that we use that then frees you up to be able to be who you want to be. Mm, I love that. It's interesting because, yeah. Sorry, you go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say lots of people use their job for that. 
I know there was a period of time when I had yeah, my corporate job and I wasn't, mm. I wasn't unhappy, but I wasn't like, it wasn't that exciting, but it allowed me to do all the things I wanted to do bushwalking mm. in the weekends and travel overseas and go to the theatre yeah. and, you know, all the things that I love, drink nice wine. Um, the job wasn't awful, but, you know, it didn't, it was a, a year or two there where it wasn't setting me on fire and then I found my way into parts that did set me on fire. So, you know, it does in a good way. Um, but, you know, <laughs> your business, and you're not going to be in love with your business every single day, people. Like, yeah, seriously, you're not. Mm, yeah it's it's interesting because that business we end up keeping it around for about three years but i knew very quickly it wasn't for me um and we, we got to the end where we profit. looked at yeah we looked at getting investors on board and um we actually had one big bite of the cherry mm. but then the amount of work that i was doing to try it and i was like you know what like <laughs> decision time yeah yeah um I would love to know, you were saying there's clear characteristics that you could see that what I did with that business, even though I had some acumen there from my, my experience being an employee, what are some of the big mistakes that you see? So now they're in business, okay? Their business is making transactions. They're maybe bought themselves a job, the business owner, and they're on their tools, like they're the technician and also the business owner. But what do you start to see now or what are some things that people really need to look at? Now their business is starting to move along. Maybe they've been in business for, you know, a year or two or five years. What are some things that you continually see that are not happening still and they really need to look at? Pricing. I think one of the things that's really showing up um, and we're in the middle of 2020 as we're recording this, but some of the clients that I've been working with for the last four or five months, um, one of the things that happens when we get into business is that we just let things slide. So mm -hmm. we don't keep our um, we don't keep our finger on the pulse of our leases. We don't keep our finger on the pulse of our trans of our contracts with people, whether that's employees or whether it's um, suppliers. That we allow some of that to kind of. Um, oh, it's mates, oh, it'll be fine. You know, some of that sort of lackadaisical gets in because it's always been okay. Um, if a business is doing well, they often don't take a good look at themselves every six months or 12 months and have a look at their pricing, is it right? Um, putting pricing up on a regular basis is a very good practice to get into because yeah. if you suddenly go, oh, I haven't put my prices up for five years and then you want to put them up you know, 20%, that's a, that's a hard yeah. ask. Mm -hmm. um, one of the other things that I talk to people about um, in the very early days is to make a really good decision early about whether they're going to be GST or not. Now, mm -hmm. I'm presuming the audience is broader than just Australia, but here in Australia there's a threshold where you can stay under that threshold and not charge GST. But what happens when you start to charge GST? Because now you've suddenly got this whopping 10% that belongs to the government. And that can be a, that's like a 10% decrease in your profitability mm -hmm. if you haven't yeah. factored it in and can't add the price on suddenly. So there's some big decisions to make mm. in that first year or so as you start to get some traction around pricing and about understanding the actual viability of the business. Um, mm. I think that's a big one. Um, you know, there's all the making sure you've got your terms and conditions and your legal things, which people often say, I don't want to spend the money on that. But if something goes wrong, it's worth having spent the money on it. I'd love to know what you do with your clients in the way um, when I go in to look at, it's normally with the, the businesses that are small to medium business. So they've got some staff on board and, yep. you know, the teams are now doing the sales. And I'll go in and I'll look at what systems and processes they have set up in their business. And there's many times nothing at all. And so my job first is to go in and set up systems and processes. And so how do I measure the numbers? Um, what is it that you do or you see with your clients when you go in? And I know it's a very, you know, there's all different stages of clients, but what are yeah. some things that you do? Do you do anything with systems and processes and have to get things set up for them? And so it's not so clunky and they actually got proper 
Yes, I think that's one of the first things. But, you know, here's the funny irony of that is that so many people want to start a business to get away from the systems and the processes. And that's one of the things that people don't know that they, because that's the thing that they find so tedious in their jobs Mm -hmm. is that they have to follow someone else's rules. They just want to have their own rules. (laughs) Um, But you can't run a business without that because the Mm. truth is you'll be the person doing everything forever if you don't have a system or a process because you can't yes. go over to somebody else exactly yeah yes. and that's why people end up working 24 hours a day seven days a week because they can't mm-hmm. so i have similar to what you're saying mm-hmm. there is i have a diagnostic tool that has um uh, i think it's got about 35 or 45 different topics that they uh, it, or dot points and they rate themselves on a scale of one to five of where they have it so what it does is identifies mm. do they where where do they have things in place that are going to make their business successful. So rarely would I have somebody come to me and fill that form in and score themselves as a four or a five on every single aspect. Mm. One would hope if they've been in business for two or three years that they would be scoring themselves fours and fives on certain things, but probably on ones and twos on other things. And then we would start to look at, well, what are the ones and twos? And it might be I don't actually have a sales system. I don't actually mm. have have a client journey map I don't actually mm-hmm. know how people find me you know like I, I don't know what my conversion is so if I if I make a sale I don't know how many whatever the steps behind that have had to be to get to the mm-hmm. sale and so then we start to work through the various areas that um, need attention mm. and you often it's in, around the systems and processes yeah yeah for sure um, you said in your book that you have different assessments in there Mm-hmm. What's someone to expect if they were to get your book? And I know that we've got a free gift today, which is the book, which we'll which is the book. hear about that in a second. But what are some things that can expect to take away in that book? So there's a couple of exercises at the beginning about some of the characteristics of you as an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. And then the second um, chapter is about your client, about your idea and then your client. So mm-hmm. what is your actual idea? So can you articulate that idea in just a few words, if you were to describe to somebody what you're doing. And, and the, the idea is about solving a problem for someone else. So there's some activities there in who, what is your idea and what problem does it solve and what problem do the people currently have and how are they solving that problem right now? What's their pain points? How much pain is there for the person to actually want to solve it in a different way? Because if they've got a fairly good solution, then maybe they're just happy to, to, to go with that. Um, and then who is your ideal client? And I love when someone says to me, everyone. And mm-hmm. you couldn't. You couldn't. <laughs> There's six billion to market. people yeah. on, the, on the planet. You couldn't. And even, you know, like if you take go back to your fitness studio at Miranda, if somebody said everybody in Miranda... It's not everybody in Miranda because I'm sure there's too many people there that they wouldn't all fit into the sessions. Yeah. And so it was a ladies only. It was, it was ladies a ladies only. only and, and I'm it sure was more it, of an age group. And, an age group. Yeah. Yeah. And, and okay, so you're always going to have different people. So my, my clients tend to be women, although I do have male clients as well. They tend to be women sort of in their 40s-ish around that mm-hmm. sort of, you know, like people who've had their their families, their careers, but that doesn't mean I don't have 20-something clients. You know, so you, you, we do get an idea of who our clients are, but it's to me that's that's around the energy of the client and who they show up as a business. And then so there's activities there around going out and finding your clients, talking to them, having a product and testing it to see if there's a market for it, doing some research about competitors. So it's those sorts of activities that are in the book. That's amazing. That's great. Because um, especially one thing that you said, which then links to what I do, which is in sales, which is you talk about what is the problem that you're solving (laughs) and is it something that they're happy to invest in or is there another way that they can do it? And I always say that when people are scared to sell, they're focused on the transaction they're not focused on what problem are they solving. Mm. And so when they're talking to their customer, when they're doing their webinar, when they're doing their face-to-face sales and their telephone sales or their follow-up calls, if they're focused on what was the problem that person originally told me or what is the problem that my product solves or my service solves, and if they sit in that space, then it's not about them. It's about how we can help 
the other person. And it just is that massive paradigm shift. So it sounds like really the book goes through pretty much like a coach, right? It's like a coaching process from yeah. the startup. What would you say to someone where like, because you've got different behavior styles and I can imagine, say with me, I was told to test the marketplace with this online business. And I actually did. I did surveys out in um, Town Hall Station and Wynyard Station that was so busy. <laughs> I couldn't believe how busy it is in the city oh, scary, at that time. Um, yeah. But we, we got surveys and we did that. But I remember there was a big part of me going, I can't be bothered testing the marketplace. Mm. <laughs> what would you say to some of the people out there that don't want to test their product, don't know how to test their product, um, are stuck in wondering if it will be a waste of time or if it will be worth their while. Mm. Mm. What would you say to somebody that has that type of mindset? Because I was lucky that I was like, okay, well, I'm going to do some surveys and really start to do it. But honestly, I had that thought like, oh, gosh, I'm going to test it. It's going to be a waste of time. But wasting your time is all the money that you put into your business, right? It certainly <laughs> is. So I think that's where, you know, from when you were doing that, going and standing in Town Hall Station was the way to do it. But I think there's now some pretty fabulous Facebook groups where you oh, yeah. can test things. It was, and, I was back in 2006. So. Yeah. But, you know, there's a couple of really powerful Facebook groups that have, I'm going to say hundreds of thousands, if not tens of thousands of, of people. You know, there's an Inner West one here. There's the Like-Minded Bees. There's, um, you know, there's another one, Women Helping Women Entrepreneurs. And I see people put posts on those. Oh, um, I want to sell these, um, you know, this or that. Which do you think? And 400 and something comments or 700 and something comments. Now, some of them will go, somebody will put up, let's go back to the candle. Someone will put up a candle and say, what do you think of this? And people go, babe, you've got this. It's beautiful. Oh, my gosh, it's fantastic. But every now and again, somewhere in there is like, who are you kidding? You know, so you have to be careful that there's the ones who will give you the negative mm. feedback. But if there's overwhelmingly positive, then you can start to test it and say, That's great put out you know like there's ways of testing it that's pretty safe mm -hmm. um but you get the feeling i think a lot of those groups are very genuine um mm. and i think it's a nice way to put it out and if you put it out there and there's four comments clearly nobody's interested in whatever it mm. was but if you put yeah. it out there and there's hundreds of comments i think i think if i was trying something now i think that's mm. when i would probably put something out into one of those big groups that have got hundreds of thousands of followers mm. yeah because it's the quality of the question as well that you asked exactly right mm. so what would you be what would you think would be a good question or what are some things that they really should try and find out from these people like if they like it how much would they pay like what would be some really good questions they could ask on that post yeah i guess it would be if if this was appealing to you i mean one of the things you can do is if something like this appeals to you what mm -hmm. are you using now instead of this you know if this is your problem and i just have to think of an example so you know if you were creating um a new food product um mm -hmm. so in fact there was one recently that somebody wants to do chocolate brownies um if you wanted to have if you were going to buy chocolate brownies if you if you don't like chocolate brownies what do you have instead how much do you pay for a chocolate brownie now and that would be a good example so if, if mm. people say happy to pay three dollars wouldn't pay four dollars you know like how much do you pay how much would you pay how much would you not pay mm. you know i i must say i pay three dollars something for a coffee and when i go to somewhere and it's four dollars i start to think hmm and if I go there and it's $5, I think I want a chocolate or I want something with that. I want, yeah. it, you know, like I want it to be, I don't know. Bonused. I want something more than a five, like $5. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I understand it came because, you know, it was, it was organically this and something like that. I want to know mm -hmm. there's some reason I'm paying $5. Yes. So, you know, I think those are good places to ask questions. And if you ask the question, you don't get the answer you want, then ask mm. another question. Mm, yeah, I love it. That's such a great, you know, something so simple, which is use the groups. It's free in time. And the one thing is the difference between Facebook and Instagram, Facebook is actually where it is about conversation and opinions. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's just such a great tip. Well, let's find out about the book. So we've got a free copy. Free copy. Physical, yes. physical copy. Physical yeah? copy. Look, beautiful book. book. 
Yes, it is a beautiful. I love it, the front you cover. Have a copy in it because the cover I is. I don't have a copy. Is it, is it soft? Is it, it's, is it... it's soft, but it's got a texture. Years mm. ago, I, I bought a book that had a texture. So when my publisher said about the book, I, they influenced me a bit with the cover. They, they had a bit of influence on that. But I said, I don't mind about that, but I want my green and blue together. Um, and I want this lovely texture. So, yes, people can have a copy mm. of the book. Um, and all they have to pay for is the postage handling. That is amazing. So if you listen to iTunes, just scroll below and click the link because that will take you through to everything that we've talked about today and the link for the book. Um, if you're listening to on Android, if you're listening online, then there's individual links for everything for the book to find out more with, um, with Ingrid and also your podcast. You know, you started doing podcasts before they were popular. <laughs> and, well, in fact, I did podcasts 10 years ago when they were popular 10 years ago. And then I stopped doing them. And then I started five years ago. There's more than a million podcasts now on it. Did you know that? This is one of a million podcasts. Yeah. It's wow. Isn't it? Yeah. yeah but it I love my podcast and there's no advertising. I don't, we don't have any advertising except my book and me. Yeah. And my guests, my guests mm -hmm. are allowed to advertise themselves. Beautiful. So, yeah. And the book's actually called, so you, is it healthy numbers or is it so you want to no, start no. a business? The book is it so is you want to start book. a business and yes, the podcast okay. is so you want to start a business. Yeah. Easy, easy for us to remember. All right. I'd love to finish up with three questions. First two is just a piece of advice for a startup entrepreneur mm -hmm. and a piece of advice for a very seasoned, let's say she's been in business, she's ready to scale or she's ready to really ramp it up. So the, in both cases, I would just say um, if you really believe in it, give it a go. Whatever you think it is that you want to try, try it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if you're thinking about starting a business, find a way to test it out. Go to the market, put it online, um, you know, host a party at home, put something on Facebook and try it out. Um, yeah, just give it a go. Set up a page, put it out there and and give it a red, a real red hot shot, you know, but, but know your numbers as well, you know, but, but just get a sense of does anybody want it? Mm -hmm. Somebody who's more seasons and wanting to scale, I truly think you need help. So, um, you know, if you're, if sales is going to be super important as part of this, then go to someone like Annette who knows what, you know, how to do selling. If you, if you need help with systems and processes, then, you know, here's this woman here who can help you with that. Um, get a coach, join a mastermind, get help from people who know how to do it. And I would really suggest for a lot of people is to look outside your industry. I've, I, yeah. Years ago, I learned the benefit of learning from other industries as opposed to always looking inside your own industry. I, mm -hmm. I believe we can learn far more from outside our own industry than we can from our own. So, mm -hmm. you know, seek help from somebody that's got broad experience. Yeah. Mm, yeah. And just with that last one, it's whenever I have wanted to grow a new part in my business, I will then hire the exact coach Yes, that just specifically on that area, like they are, have mastered it, I've seen it. And for me, it's investing a few months with them to really just ramp that up to that next area. So, um, yeah. yeah, it's, it's and, and I also feel like when you pay, you play. Yes, because in the startup stage, you try to do everything for free as much as you can for free. Though, as soon as you start investing in yourself, then there's more follow through. You pay attention. Yeah. You yeah. you really start to move. So as soon as you can start to, just you know, sometimes people go, oh, you know, will you mentor me? And they'll go to these people and they'll ask me for their time, which is beautiful. And it's great. Though, as soon as you really start to pay with cash. There's, there's, there's definitely a focus. There is definitely a focus and that's where I would say in that saving your buffer balance, figure out how much it's going to cost you to get a coach or join mm. a program or, yeah, you know, advice. get like-minded assistance, you know, before you even get to the point where you're, you know, you've run out of money, you have no money. Because sometimes people will come and say to me, Ingrid, can you help mm. me? And I say, yes, and here's what it would cost. And they say, well, I'm not making any money yet. Yeah. Well, you know figure this out before you get to the point where you're not making any money so you actually can pay for help because you need mm. a VA, you need to get somebody to help you with sales, you need to get graphics, you need to get legals. These things cost money and, yeah. you know, in order to be respectful of other people and if we want people to pay us, 
there's this energy that if you want people to do stuff for you for free, then how can you be thinking that you're going to charge people gonna money sell, for yeah. what you're doing? So it's just, mm, yeah, it's just love that. Such a yeah. cool But I love what you said there. about be really specific about getting the help that you need, if that's it. I'm, I've, I've hired a marketing coach this year, so I'm mm-hmm. working on a plan and a program and we're meeting regularly and I'm being held accountable and yeah. <laughs> not in a scoldy way, but you know, it's not my <laughs> strength. Mm. Yeah, well, for my husband and I, because we've just gone into business together, so we've both wow. done pretty much the same thing, um, but two different businesses. And so last year we came together and I said, let's just really grow this together. We're doing our own thing. So we can still do, I love to work with the women. He loves to work with um, the small to medium-sized businesses where I love going the, the solopreneur, small, to be, uh, small business. Mm. Um but, so we still have the areas that we love to work in, but we're really in that business. But I said to him, it's important that we have a coach because we need to be accountable. We can be accountable to ourselves. So for me, it's always like, who's that next coach that has that thing that we don't have or we can have that answer to. So it's, yeah, you've got How it for marketing. to that? Was he okay with oh, that? Oh, he's totally open to it. Oh, yeah, good. totally open yeah. to it. Because yeah. I think as well, we, he always talks about, you know, it's important to have a coach. It's important to have someone that you're accountable to. And for me, it just made sense. I was like, right, we need to be able to have this. We need better walk to talk. And I'm always about how I show up to my clients and what I ask them to do. Yeah. There has to be full congruency there. Yeah. Or it's just going to feel weird to them. It is. Something like, oh, there's something off with her. Like, you know, it's like, how are you showing up? What are you asking your clients? And I think it's interesting when you said that, which was, um, if someone's asking for it for free all the time, how do they expect to be able to ask for their business? Uh, when I started to do my mastermind, it was a 12-month mastermind, mm. and I was asking for them, you know, to, to trust me for 12 months. Mm. And I was like, what have I done recently to ask for that? So I had joined a mastermind, so that was fine. I was congruent there. But every time I did an event, I was thinking, I'm asking them to do something really scary. So at the start of every event, I would always do an activity, a physical, like something that would scare me that I wanted to do, but Mm -hmm. I had to pay and it got, it was scary, but exciting. And that Mm -hmm. was again, staying integrity to, Mm -hmm. you know, doing what we expect others to want to do with us in our business. Yeah, yeah. I, that just makes so much sense. And, you know, I'm just wondering, because I was listening to somebody talking about being in business with a spouse. I'm not. I'm in business on my own. And um, I think that takes a special set of skills. It changes the dynamic of the relationship. I've interviewed mm-hmm. for my podcasts a couple of people who are in business with their spouses, and it's quite interesting Um that's, now, there would be a niche coaching opportunity for someone who actually yeah. niches in working with <laughs> with people. I do just on that. I mean, it's different because it's your husband and you already know about him. But I do believe that if mm. um, somebody is wanting to get mm. started in a business and have a partnership, that takes a certain amount of, like, yeah. there's a lot of work to do because I've seen some partnerships go really, really skew with. So many of them I know. And so much that money. That, yes. Yeah. 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 So that's, I, I would just say if yeah. anybody, oh, but we're best friends. Yeah, no. Yeah, no, and, and have everything <laughs> yeah, no. written, documented. For my husband okay. and I, it was quite interesting, Ingrid, because he, the coaching company that I worked, that was training me in the health club at 21, at 23 I met my husband and he took over the coaching. So it was quite interesting where I was used to him coaching me and mentoring me and then we ended up, I ended up working for that company so we had always done stuff together. Mm. We'd presented mm. on stage together. So I think, mm. and even now, um, before that transition, you know, we're doing podcast interviews together. We definitely do events together. So for me, the transition was so natural. It was definitely yes. organic. Yes. Um, I couldn't imagine what it would be like. No, what would what it imagine what it'd be like just to start fresh with someone because you're finding out. Like we've been together for twenty years, so I know we know each other inside and out. Yes, um, but also I know that we need. Yeah, but I know we need that separate space as well. Like mm-hmm. I work completely differently to him. Like it, there's a different way that he works. We're mature enough to go. Okay, this is your space. This is my space, and yeah. <laughs> think a lot of people are finding out a lot of things about how everybody works oh right yes that's right <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Ingrid, I love to finish the interview with this question. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. For me, the podcast is about women, business, life. We just don't go into business to then be an absolute workaholic, which can happen to all of us. It's how do we keep life itself and stuff that also makes us happy outside our business. Mm. I'd love to know what's the one thing that you do, some type of physical activity, something that gets you out of your work mode and into Ingrid. What's the one thing that you do on a very regular basis, daily, weekly, something very regular that makes you the happiest version of you? I think I love the part of the question that said the happiest version of me because the happiest version of me is in water, preferably mm. the ocean. And I love the waves. I love the energy. I love, I just, and at the moment we've got this east low that's just creating massive waves up the east coast of Australia. So it's too cold for me to actually get in the water right now. <laughs> I was going to ask you that. I was like, no, I'm not, I'm not a winter right swimmer. Now? I've got friends who are, but I'm not a winter swimmer. But, I, but every weekend and, you know, now that the days are a little bit longer, we don't live at the beach, but we're not very, I mean, Enmore's only 20 minutes in a good run, um, 15 minutes if it's really speedy. Um, and so getting to the coast, getting into the water every weekend, certainly through the through summer we get down to the beach um, at least once mm. during the middle of the week. Um, but just be, and um, pools don't really do it to the same degree, but certainly the ocean is one of the things. But there's something else that I'm doing now because, you know, life's a little bit different, is balance. So from time to time during the day I do actually just do something that's about my physical balance because not being out and about is changing our um, our internal clocks. Um, mm -hmm. And you would know this from your exercise background. So actually having some time during the day to actually go outside and look at the sky and stand on one leg or do something oh, wow. that's actually about having And balance. so do you mean actually physical balance? Yeah. So As like in, right now I'm standing like on one leg. Like a tree leg. pose. Or yeah. 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 So Oh, and I do it. I, I do it from different because I think what's ha what we're knowing is on one that, leg while we're talking now. I'm just yes, going to do there the you three go. pose. <laughs> there we go, three pose. But you know, we're losing because we're not doing all the incidental activity that we do up and down steps, mm -hmm. in and out of the bus, on and off the train, in and out of the shopping centres. Our sense, our sense of who we are in the world is moving. And keeping mm -hmm. our balance is critical. And that just goes to the whole thing about having a balanced life, having a balanced everything. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that that comes better when we actually have physiological balance as well as the psychological balance. Mm, love that. Haven't had that on the show. Thank you so much. <laughs> uh, Ingrid, um, we're going to have the links there, but best way to get a hold of you, website, Healthy Numbers. Um, where do you hang out most? Are you on Instagram, LinkedIn, or Facebook? Where Where do you really mostly LinkedIn? I'm LinkedIn. I do have a Facebook group. I do have a Facebook page, but LinkedIn mm -hmm. is really where I like to produce um, some of my thought creating, thought provoking. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's where mm -hmm. I like. And the podcast. Perfect. We'll have all the links there, guys. So however so you much. prefer to get in contact with her or listen more about this amazing woman. Uh, thank you so much, Ingrid. No, thank and, you, um, Annette. It's been a wonderful you, conversation. Yes, thanks so much for your generosity. Thank you. Bye-bye. You're listening to The Herpreneur Show. I hope you received the inspirational idea, thought or message that you're meant to hear today. If you love the show, it means a bunch to me sending me a message on Facebook or on iTunes to rate and review the show and subscribe so you're the first to know when the next show's released. Until then, make sure you do something that fills up your level of happiness, something that lifts your vibration so high that you're the happiest person that you know. I'm out. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.